Welcome to Earful of Dirt, the Major League Rugby podcast. Featuring Aaron Castro in Arizona, Liam Poach in Boston, and Craig Gradelli in New York City. For those of you new to the podcast, each week the guys share news, views, and abuse from Major League Rugby, the United States Professional Rugby Union, along with information on the USA national team. With all that said, let's get on with the show. We are live. Uh, on a year full of dirt, uh, we've been away for a couple of weeks. Uh, you know, just uh, what, what can I say? Everyone needs a break, right? Yeah, no, I, I know I definitely do. Mental um, health is important. But, uh, yeah, so th- there has been a, a bunch of stuff this week uh, in MLR. We'll get to that first before we talk about, I guess I got plenty to say about the, the World Cup, I think. Craig and, and Liam might have some more technical stuff because I just hated that game. Good Lord. Like it, it's not that I want – I mean, I did want England to win, but the game was just uh, – it. yeah. I, well, I mean, as, you know, somebody with family, Catholics in nor- northern, uh, northern Belfast, uh, I wasn't exactly disappointed with the result. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, uh, I, I expected England to win, but in a – moment of, of gamesmanship in my Super Brew League, I picked South Africa because I was I went into the finals in second and I knew that the leader was going to take England. Uh, so I took South Africa and I won the Super Brew League. So uh, so Super Brew, the problem, I, I completely forgot because I was doing, I had other, well I had, granted, the thing I was, I had planned to do this weekend I did today, um, which man, I've never had a race that awful. It just Sort of the feeling. I have like half Iron Man. I didn't have to go into the hurt locker. I just didn't have another gear, but I had the endurance. On this one, let's just say two thousand feet of climbing or twenty five miles on a on a bike is is very is a lot. Just just gonna put that. But yeah, so won't really talk about triathlon at least mm-hmm. this podcast. Yeah, my Iron Man trip to the bar on uh, Saturday morning at four a.m. to watch the final. I'm yeah. Gonna- <laughs> This is how dumb, like, NBC, I paid you $230 for the rugby all-access pass that gives you the whole kit and caboodle. And, you know, my phone was off, also on airplane mode before I turned it off. Didn't turn on my computer because I, you know, I was dared by Brooke to my girlfriend to a, um, I don't think you can do the social media silence thing. And I was like, you know what? Okay. You know, hold my beer. Let's, let's do this. And, and I'm clicking through, got getting it, get NBC sports app is loading and main page shows up and it's right there on front, right, right there. Blast. It's huge. Can't miss it. Picture of like Steph Dutot. And the, the, the title is, um, highlights, tw- um, spring box, defeat England, 12 minutes, 40 seconds or something like that. And I'm just like, Tom Brady rejoices. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm just like, try to watch this freaking game. And I find out and I was like, so, so screw it. Um, I'm going to let the game load and I'm going to turn my phone on and just find out. And then, mm-hmm. I mean, I had to watch the game to know it wasn't purely a massacre because the scoreline was a, would have been a massacre for a World Cup final, but um, yeah, we'll we'll get into that. But on 
MLR news and notes, a bunch of stuff. Uh, the easiest ones, everyone, I think, is to look at uh, the, the signings and the re-signings. Um, re-signings a bit uh, shallow across the league uh, this week. But uh, and then I guess we can talk about some club notes because there were, were some club games that happened this weekend. Uh, Liam, did you go to the Mystic game? Uh, no, unfortunately, I was not able to make it to the Mystic game. I attended the Boston Brawl, which was a tournament among uh, five different graduate programs uh, in the, on the Eastern Seaboard. Uh, however, Mystic was able to get the uh, their fourth victory in a row over Old Blue, 27-25. to Winning try was scored by Christian Adams in the very last minute. So definitely congratulations to Big Blue out there. I'm really proud of you guys. Unfortunately, I don't, I'm not sure how the playoffs are going to shake up point-wise. However, their victory over Nyack the, the week prior is definitely going to help, uh, you know, should that work out in their favor. So, so as I understand it, uh, 404 Rugby Club. They do not count in, they, uh, in, they in, are, in this current competition. They are right an associate member of the competition, um, they are basically they are the de facto academy side sort sort of preseason <laughs> preseason club for uh, rugby Atlanta and then Life, which is actually a full member for some whatever reason as of last year. Uh, originally, they were an associate member, and their college team was playing in the competition, not their club team, because the intent was to actually shut down postgraduate rugby and I guess they, they they went the other way. They decided to let's go back into D one and they mm-hmm. won the national title last year, so so whatever. Um but they've been they've also had a really good season. I don't know what their game was yesterday, but the uh the AC man, Petri's team. Petri's the coach. Uh, Mike Tolkien is also the DOR. Uh, they went down to uh Marietta and they got demolished by 404. It was uh, like 61 to 3 or something. It was 60-something to something because it wasn't a goose egg. So yeah, I think it might have been 5. Un- unfortunately, that's just kind of been the story for this entire ARP season. Uh, every team that Atlanta 404 has traveled or you know hosted at, at their own uh, field, They've just kind of run the table on them. Uh, Mystic, unfortunately, was definitely no different when they came up to Pine Banks and I attended that game. Uh, shout out to Amro Gouda. Got, got to reunite with him from the Houston Sabercats. But, uh, yeah, no, uh, unfortunately, I, or I should say fortunately for the, the rest of the teams in the ARP, uh, these games don't count, which is exactly why Mystic is sitting at 4-2 and two and not at 500 and 4-4. Four and four. <laughs> and same reason why, you know, Life and Nyack are still sitting, you know, nice and pretty at the top of the standings. Yeah, well, uh, Nyack might not um, at the end of this thing, um, but uh, I, I guess for New York. But uh, it does. I think four hundred four in life, you know, bodes well for Atlanta, the expansion team. Uh, seems like there's a lot of talent down there, so we're going to see Atlanta side, you know, play and uh, and record a result. I would say the Mystic stuff, especially the last two years in the ARP, uh, I think the, the Mystic scores here really bode well for uh, for New England for a lot of their depth players. And a few of their starters, I think, are, have been play, have been turning out for Mystic. So I think that's really good uh, for the Northeast, whereas uh, the last two years, I mean, especially last year, 
um, when was it last year or the year before where they didn't win a league game and went to the, they, the year before they, they they won they won a single league game which oh, was, was, the, like, was yeah w- yeah which was enough like to like you know technically get them into the playoffs because, and, then, and then because oh, Josh Smith is Josh Smith he ends up helping them win the championship yeah that, that was that was funny it was like well, under but, however however under it should record roll the table in the spring however it should be noted though that the rosters were, you know, drastically different. Like Mystic was not at full strength during the majority of their season. Then, then entering into the playoffs, they had a lot more players available. But um, yeah, it was. I don't know. I, I thought that was really well. You know, blame Nyack and Old Blue for oh, mostly Old Blue, not necessarily Nyack, um, but mostly Old Blue for going. We will not contest a spring playoff. And like. <laughs> I, I come on. I, I really don't care. Like you're one of, well, you guys practice at Columbia. So either you are one of the wealthiest clubs in the country, or you spend a lot of money to rent that field. Uh, yeah. Both. Both. Uh, both. They're, they're, I mean, I will say they're fundraising though. They have some, they have some very smart fundraising. Uh, they auction. I think they, have a, I think they have a big endowment. I, I couldn't remember. Yeah, they, they well, they they do like this huge like auction um, of the first team off uh, in at a well-to-do dinner establishment in like the early summer, and it generates a lot of money. Uh, but I mean, they they literally do a catwalk, and I think it's the guys come out in suits. And then the guys come out in budgies, and they they auction them off. Only in rugby, baby. <laughs> uh, so <laughs> another little team that does a calendar every year that they sell for a fundraiser too. So, uh, but uh, yeah, that's the ARP. That's like really the only games that sort of I would say matter when it comes to looking at the, uh, the how it's going to affect MLR because there aren't a lot of like the PRP is a spring only competition. Um, they don't play really any much club rugby in the fall in California. And, of uh, course, so the WPL um, also matters. Well, I'm going to well. get to uh, – we'll get to that. The yeah. finals – the final tournament thing is re- very weird. Uh, you know, <clears throat> economic – different show, the economics of the WPL sort of don't make sense. And it's not – that the competition needs to exist, but I think USA Rugby needs to find some money so it can be – more affordable for the athlete. Um, that's my point as far as the uh, the economics of that competition don't make sense. If the, I don't really need, it's the the top level of competition here, and we don't want um, like we want at least a semi pro cost and neutral competition rather than I have to spend ten grand a year on rugby um, because we have to fly everywhere. Type yeah, um, I I barely make ten grand a year, dude. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah. So uh, WPL final is going on right now. It's I, it's on a network that I'm not paying for. Um, just gonna leave it at that. It is Glendale versus the Merlins. Check out USA Rugby's Twitter for updates and also WPL Rugby uh, MYRC. Uh, Craigers uh, Club, 
uh, yep. defeated the Atlanta Harlequins to take the bronze medal in the championship tournament weekend uh, of the Women's Premier League. So clap it up to, uh, you know, NYRC women. Um, and then we'll find out who of the, uh, I guess, the, the gladiatrix and uh, the small bird of prey called the Merlin. Yeah. Hey, Glendale, Glendale and marketing. So. Well, uh, you know, yeah. Ra- I think, I think Raptors got taken by some other team. <laughs> uh, I mean, Mer- I think, Mer- I think the rebranding of the amateur clubs was great. I just, you know, honestly, well, here's the thing though. The Glendale Merlins makes a whole lot of sense because it's a team name. That is not the thing you want it to be. You yeah. know, everybody, the Raptors. exactly. You know, like you want it. We want it to be Jurassic Park. Like that's, that's what we want it to be, but it's not. And we want the Merlins to be a wizened old man with a beard, you know, on like, like a, on the logo on the uniform, but it's not. It's another stupid bird. Yeah. Just give the people what they want. It's are there like, other birds out there that double as cooler things that if the Glendale needed a third team, they can pick? <laughs> is also a call sign in Top Gun. I, I think the only thing they could do is if they, if they were called like the Glendale Murder, and like instead of like you know some slasher 1984 logo, it was just like a bunch of crows. Like <laughs> the, the, that, that's the only, yeah. Oh, that would be the, the parent organization. All yeah. right, not even a cool crow, just like a like a scraggly like you know Schenectady, New York like. So that's the club stuff, uh, getting into signings. Some of these are, well, the signings are all good. Uh, let's start with Old Glory. Uh, they've got a uh, halfback, uh, halfback, so I'm guessing he plays both 9 and 10. Um, Danny Tusitala, Old Glory. Uh, Samoa, number 549. He played in the minor 10 most recently with Auckland. Uh, hasn't been in contention with uh, Samoa since 2016. But, uh, you know, if you're playing a lot in the Mitre 10 as a halfback, you're probably pretty good. Um, then we got Locke Tavita Nakali, I think. I, maybe. I, I might have gotten that wrong. I don't know how to pronounce N-A-Q in Fijian. Uh, also with Old Glory, he is captured but not capped by playing for the A-side of Fiji Fiji Warriors. Uh, so that's a really good one. And then um, definitely needs to be said that, like, you know, everybody was kind of counting out this old glory team early on because there wasn't a whole lot of high profile signings. But they've been pretty consistent in terms of just adding depth uh, to this roster, making sure that they have some rotational guys. Yeah. Yeah, true. They're like, you know, it's always tough, I guess, for an expansion team. But, you know, I, I don't know if Danny Tusitala is going to be the starter or what, but. He might not so be a difference maker. I'm not saying that. Yeah. I don't know. Like, I, I guess the – I need to look at the notes from somebody else, but uh, Michael Reed is the other one. Um, or they have My, two – Michael a, Reed's pretty good. Like, that, like down Reed. in Texas in the, in the uh, Red River Conference, he did some pretty good things. You have Michael Reed and some other guy. I think, you know, the, the reality is, is that if, uh, if he does beat out this guy – um, he's gonna have this guy on his heels nip in to tear out his Achilles and to start because so I think that at least th- they have a good competition at scrum half or maybe fly half because I don't really know who 
their other fly halves are, that would be, I would say, super high level. And this guy, you know, he plays plays for Auckland in the minor 10. So granted short season, but it's a high level comp. And we will get to see a minor 10 team. The champs versus the champs. But actually the, the champs versus Houston first in the preseason. Uh, the Tasman Mako. Uh, there with um, non-Super Rugby players because it is Super Rugby preseason in January, but non-Super Rugby players and guys who are competing for Mitre 10 contracts from their B-side coming up to the United States on tour, and they will play the Houston Sabercats uh, the week before they play uh, the the Seattle Seawolves, who will also – that will be their second preseason fixture. So this should be – Pretty much, I, I would hope what you will see in the regular season from the Seattle Seawolves, and it's it's really good luck competition level. I mean, think about this: Gannon Moore was playing for North Harbor B. He made it onto the Mitre Ten side of North Harbor. I think. It was, let me make sure I have this right. Um, Moore Rugby by. So for those, for those listening to the audio version of the podcast, we, 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 yeah, we live Google on this show. All yeah, the time. yeah, yeah. So, so Nor- he played for, he played for North Harbor in one season, the minor 10. And when he broke onto the Eagles, he's played for Nor- like his highest level competition that season with North Harbor B, which is guys who are trying to get contracts with the minor 10 team. So that, I mean, if that's the level of athlete that is going to be on that team on the Tasman Mako, it's going, it should be a fun time, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. You know, and definitely, I, I, I think the Mitre 10 league, I, this has been the most consistent league that MLR has been compared to uh, just in general worldwide. You see it all, all the way, um, all the time on social media, especially too. So I think this is going to be a really good test to see, you know, how does MLR actually stand up to some of the lower divisions of professional rugby around the world? And then we can see, you know, what are the next steps we need to take to maybe, maybe enter a Champions League sort of tournament maybe sometime in the future. Maybe. Um, then moving on to New Orleans, two guys uh, that were signed. Uh, back row. Um, so I guess he can play all three positions. Exactly. Uh, from Tabo uh, Marie uh, from Arkansas State. He was an All-American. On that All-American team that took a sledgehammer to the Raptors, by the way. Um, uh, attended great college, played for the first 15 in South Africa. So he's, um, you know, he, he, he's got a good pedigree for a guy coming into, uh, camp for the Nola gold. And then you've got a wing fullback option from named Jonathan Poole uh, going to the gold. He played at LSU. Uh, he was a five-year guy at LSU. And then he's been at Life University playing with the senior club team while he's been getting his doctorate in chiropractic medicine. Uh, he was on the D- 2017 D2 uh, title team and also the 2019 D1 title team missed 2018 because he had shoulder surgery. Um, so pretty good pickups. Um, I did... Um, send a let me Google that for you link to Dan Brown, um, one of our former uh, hosts on the team. And uh, apparently somebody thought that wasn't funny, but you know, I, 
I, sometimes I, I really don't care because people <laughs> can Google that stuff, um, right? We do have the technology, believe it or not. Plus, I think let me Google it for you links are pretty funny in general, and I <laughs> encourage their use. Um, and then, uh, so so I think those guys uh, will be some some good added competition and some depth. Really, it would be interesting. I think Table Mari is the one that will probably see more time, whereas uh, Jonathan Poole's probably yeah. He's good probably going to add back three and Nola. He's probably going into you know be I would say you know he he's a good level athlete, but I think he's going to be setting up his chiropractic medicine practice and working on his teammates. <laughs> Money. I love going to the chiropractor. Just want to put that out there. I totally thought I totally thought it was phony science until this year, man. Love it. Oh man. Um. Hey. So, uh, so Craig, you went to Armor Basic course at Fort Knox, so you don't know about this. But wait, you went to Ranger. I did but yes, wait, I did go to Ranger School. Wait, you? I was not an armor officer. You were a freaking infantry officer, you little child. I was logistics, believe it or not. Wait, 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 wait. wait. I totally thought. So, see, Craig and I happened to be in the same unit, like a generation different, um, at one point. So I totally thought you were an armor. Oh, how did how did I not know this? Like, holy! Well, God. once you go to ranger oh, school, it put you wherever. Doesn't matter anymore what your original uh, MOS was. But I did my basic course at lovely Fort Eustis, Virginia. Uh, living in the hotel there, there's no PT on. There's there was mandatory. Uh, officer club attendance on Wednesday nights and no PT on Thursday mornings. <laughs> uh, wow, that's nice. Yeah, um, uh, I got bone spurs, so I don't, I, I can't do that. <laughs> uh, but you did go to Ranger School, so you do know about the uh, what was it? The there is was it? The, yeah, the U.S. Cav store, or was it the Ranger Joe's store? Yeah, the Ranger Joe's store, at least has this $5 adjustment chiropractic spot. Really? <laughs> yes. I know Ranger Joe's. I don't, I don't recall any chiropractic spot, but, uh, yeah, well, they, I mean, when I was, when I was there, uh, for armor school, um, rip, uh, that the armor school left Fort Knox, but whatever. Uh, but when I was there for armor school, the, uh, they had a, it was like a 20 minute adjustment, from there with a bunch of chiropractors. I, I'm guessing they may have been student chiropractors, but it was five bucks. And uh, it was, I mean, I always like, ha- like had a lot of pep in my step after, after uh, leaving that. Cause you know, being it, it's, it, it's forbidding. It's the wayward school for boys. They beat you down and stuff. Good um, times. But uh, yeah. So uh uh, that's and then so the last I guess sort of signing um, still in the league uh, entering is, is fly half center Taylor Howden who's uh, moved on to Houston. So this is a, this is an interesting signing to me considering the fact that uh, as far as I know Houston still has um, Kieran Farmer and Sam uh, Sam Windsor under contract. So th- those are two fly halves or two people who were at least. Um, specialize in the fly half position. They also still have Zach Pangelinen, who is also Zach Pangelinen. Sorry there, Zach, uh, who's also, um, you know, pretty, pretty good at the 10 spot. We saw him um, 
you know, play, play some fly half as well as nine last season uh, when he stepped out of the 15 spot. So this, this signing, you know, definitely a great, definitely a great player. I know he has some roots in Houston and stuff like that, but it's going to be interesting to see how uh, some of the uh, particular players are mixed and matched on this roster. Um, yeah. I, I don't, I don't expect him to be a starter though. I definitely, you know, he may say fly half, but I, I feel like he's played primarily center in MLR. I think he's better at center, but it, Houston also has threatened Palamo. I don't know if he's if he's coming back next year, but um, I don't know. Big Daddy Threats, though. Big Daddy Threats, you coming back? Um, they, but Big they Daddy signed, T. But they signed some other guys. Uh, Kyle Breitenbach, Daywit Roos. Um, in, in the midfield, you know, in Houston. So, uh, But Houston does need a new academy director. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so I guess Matt Truville, uh, as announced by the Houston Sabercats, and uh, his wife have, you know, they're moving on from the Houston Sabercats and moving back to where her family's from, um, which is Seattle. Uh, as far as, well, um, we know it's just, you know, she's, they're going to have a kid and they want to be closer to fam. That's it. Um, people are like, oh, is he going to Seattle Seawolves? No, no. He's, they're just, you know, they wanted to do something different, and that's on them. I mean, mm-hmm. cool. And, like, if anyone's ever met Matt, he's insanely smart. So, uh, oh, yeah. Great guy, too. Whatever you want him to do, he will probably uh, he will probably raise your revenue a lot. Um, so, but... Uh, if you ever yeah. need somebody to fly a drone, Matt Truville is your man. <laughs> um, so all of the footage you guys saw last season of the uh, process of Aviva Stadium getting built, that was all Matt Trueville. That, that dude and his drones. Oh, yeah. They brought him to practice all the time. Uh, I, I swear to God, he'd get a contract with the U.S. military if he wanted. That guy and his drones. He, he really likes the drones, I must say. Uh, so let's look at renewals. Someone asked me not to say re-signings. So I guess I won't say re-signings anymore. I will say like returned. Why? Uh, what's, what's the problem with re-signings? I, I, you know, they're like every time I say re-signing, I thought you meant resign. Oh, come are on! They reading the script? Are, are they not hearing us talk? Who, who's who's having that problem? <laughs> Literacy is not the most important uh, you know, aspect of life in America I, at the moment. I, I, I put a hyphen. You know, I put the hyphen every time. Some people don't, and that's where you get a problem. Well, I mean, right. it's, if you don't I mean, put the hyphen, it's spelled podcast, wrong. You're like, saying resign, not resign. Yeah, like, whatever. So, uh, Seattle uh, has re-signed Ben Sima, Riker Hadding, Shalom Suniula, and Eric Duchal in the last two weeks, apparently. Renewal. It's so spiritual. Apparently, you been, have to. been renewed. Apparently, Seattle needs to announce all of their roster. Otherwise, some people won't be happy. Uh, like, whereas, what was it? Uh, NOLA just started announcing early, and they gave you, like, one a week. You know? Uh, yeah. It was, like, the first week of June. or the, not the, It was after the season was over. So, like, the last week of June or something like that. And they started announcing re-signings and signings for, for this season. And I liked it. I, I, I liked that because that means they're pretty much done. You know, it, it it also got their fans engaged. It got the conversation going during the off season, which is you know is definitely something that all teams are looking to do at this stage. Is that you know when nothing's going on, you at least want to give the appearance that something's going on. Yeah, and then uh, uh, re-signings for New Orleans are William Wegespack, uh, a lock. He's played 
I guess sparingly. Um, I think he was. Yeah, I actually don't know who that is. Uh, I, I think he was injured a little bit this last year. Uh, he played, uh, I think, two games in season one and played two games this season. He was on the under twenties with Kieran Farmer. Uh, I guess a year ago, not this year, but a year ago. Uh, for some reason, he didn't play a lot in against Canada. They needed some locks though, and he is a behemoth. Um, he's like six foot nine to 60. He's a big boy. Uh, what, what sort of name is Wagas pack? Is that native American? Uh, no, he's a, um, uh, let's, let's look for What kind of name is Craig? I would say it's, uh, <laughs> I would say it's Anglo, uh, Wegus, I mean, there's a guy named Jacob Wegus pack. It, I think it is sort of French. Because this guy named Jacob Wegespack from uh, is a pitcher on the Jays with, and he is from Prairieville, Louisiana. So Louisiana, it's uh, Louisiana, I guess. Um, I'm name origin. There we go. Um, it's French influence of German Wagensbach. There All right, go. there you go. Denom, um, usually from Louisiana. That's what it says. So there you go. Uh, yeah, uh, you know, you you really we we talk about locks all the time on this show, and this is do we do we is it is it can you bring up some examples because I'm absolutely drawing a blank. I mean, don't get me wrong, like Trevor Cassidy, Nate Brakely, you know, New England guys love talking about them and stuff like that, but pretty guys. Dude, should we have a segment? Is like, is like, like should we have like lockup on EOD? I, I know, uh, we, but yeah. So, talk about one of the positions for the Eagles that definitely needs a lot of depth. At least capped guys. There aren't really that many capped guys when I think about it. That are well, that are they're sticking. They're still playing rugby. I think there's like six that are capped, that are, like, playing rugby. So it's one of those positions where we need a lot of depth. Like, there are some players on the depth chart, like Victor Comta. Uh, uh, people really talk about Christian Osberg, but I, I don't think he's on the radar specifically because he's been injured the last two years and had a misdiagnosis, which kept him out this last year, but he had surgery and apparently he's practicing, but he's with Oriac in the pro de deux. So, um, well, I mean, I mean an another guy that I just mentioned though, that I'm surprised hasn't been on the USA rugby, uh, radar is Trevor Cassidy from, uh, rugby United, New York, uh, Rutland native. He was actually protected, uh, by Rooney, um, in, in the draft during the off season, during the reallocation okay. draft. Uh, yeah, no, he was one of the protected players for rugby United, New York. Uh, other teams were definitely targeting him. He's a huge workhorse. He's a tackling machine. Uh, I don't have the stats in front of me right now, but he was one of the top players uh, for the team in tackles. Uh, he didn't quite compare to Nate Brakely when it came to minutes, but he's an absolutely effective player on the on the field. Uh, pretty tall, I think. I think six months. He's thirty-one. Yeah, thirty. Well, no, no, no. I, I know. I, I was going to get to that. I think, like you know, age is definitely the, like, the biggest factor there. But now, I don't even think he wouldn't be the oldest person uh, to be a cap eagle. Petri, anybody? He was probably coming through at. Uh, uh, well, I mean, he was coming through at the same time like Nate Brakely came through, but I would say that at the time that Nate Brakely came through, uh, like we were, 
we 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 needed some help. I well, Brakeley's a robot. No, like, I, I, that, that's just like another level of the fact that a Brinkley, Nick Chavetta and now Greg Peterson and Ben Landry have just been as a group of four. So stable together has been amazing. Just, just straight up amazing. And then we had Sam Umanoa coming out of international retirement uh, for a little bit really helped, but still for the most part, they've been very durable, which as sort of, you know, I think the, if we look at the capped Eagles playing lock in, in MLR and you've got, uh, you, you've got Brendan Daly and, uh, and Matt Jensen. And that's oh, CC Mahoney. There you go. Yeah. And Brinkley. Yeah. Um, what, is ben Mitchell, he's USA eligible. Right? Uh, he, he's, he's now USA eligible, but mm-hmm. remember he's, Yep, and then luckily Ben Mitchell is. Uh, I think uh, the Houston SaberCats also signed him, or did he go to the Nova no, Gold? San Diego. San Diego. There we go. I, I I know he. I know he escaped the herd that he was going to be going to a winning team. I just wasn't what's, entirely what's sure. Up, what's up, Ben? Um, Benjamin Haswell co- um, commented saying, uh, "You know, South African players are where it's at. You know, they're they're relatively cheap because the Rand is in the shitter. Uh, the the Rand is, uh, as everyone knows, is a currency that is." It's pretty rough right now, so I'm guessing you know mm-hmm. it's going to be pretty easy to get guys over if you can clear their visa. I've been seeing yeah. you know, stories of the political unification of South Africa. I assume the RAND is trending up. Oh, so, you you mean like uh, so in the same the same country that won't let their women's sevens team the union? This is not a the union is not the problem here. That their women's sevens team qualified for the Olympics. But the South African Olympic Committee said, you didn't qualify top four in the World Series, so you don't get to go. <laughs> do, you know how hard, they, do you know how hard it is to finish top four in the World Series? <laughs> and the Rand plummets. Mm-hmm. And, and the Rand plummets. So, so that's uh, – the, the, the Rand is going deeper than the diamond mines that they dug way too deep and are now just essentially useless. Oh, yeah. yeah. So interesting. I want to read this comment from California Rugby League. So we're just going to give you a few seconds of silence. So, so there, there, was a, there was a random, like, so time off, read the thing, bring the water out. Yeah. All Pierce right, time LeBond, off, Timo. Pierce LeBond goes, uh, you know, hey, you know, I've been listening to this rugby league podcast. You're talking about California rugby league, this New York franchise. And then, like, California rugby league comments back and says, Happy to set the record straight. Hey, hey guys, um, if you do listen to this, if you end up listening. Is Pat Mahomes reading the comment? <laughs> yeah, I don't. If you do listen to end up listening to this podcast, um, for the most part, uh, you don't have a website. So if you can get a website up, um, then we can – I mean, even us, even we have a website. Uh, so that's sort of – like if you're a league that's actually paying people, maybe mm-hmm. you should have a website. And I, had, I, I had a website that I ran out of my dorm room. That's how we got this, not just a Twitter and a YouTube channel and a Facebook page, but you know, a place where you can do business and stuff. Uh, I see you guys using photos of a bunch of union players. If you've signed them for whatever, basically rugby league clubs in this country, if you go all the way to the USARL side of the house, um, they're run as teams, not clubs. It's very, league is very weird. Just um, as far as we, uh, hey, you're you're on tap. 
Craig, you, you're in New York. You you you've got your ear to the pulse. Have you heard any news about this rugby league team in New York that was announced like three years ago? Yeah. Uh, you know, so as I think most people know this point, I'm a New York rugby club guy. You know, for years, probably five or six of the people in New York rugby club also played the New York Knights, which was the league team around here. Uh, I mean, I don't think anything's happening. Uh, but, yeah, I remember when that was announced. There's always talk of this, you know, league is going to pop up. It's successful in Canada, whatever. Um, easier to understand for an American audience. Uh, I haven't actually, you know, nothing I'm seeing on the ground would lead me to believe that there is anything imminent. Yeah, like I, I would say most league, most league players in the United States play union. So, I mean, what was it? Uh, <clears throat> Luke Hume, Luke Hume, USA Tomahawk played, you know. International in league and union for the United States. Like uh, there's a there's a coach, uh, Carrick Pell, coaches youth. Uh, he's he's an intense dude's intense shape. He's like 45, um, was a Marine, and he plays for the Boston 13s or whatever the the league team is called, and yep. also plays like D2 club rugby and coaches youth for the Bullfounds. Um, yeah. So yeah, like I mean, most. It, when it comes to the New York rugby league thing, I, I mean, I pay attention, a lot of attention, and I haven't seen anything as far as. But, but to answer the question, if a professional league team comes to New York, uh, will it have any effect? Well, New York likely will have been in existence playing a Boston team for like five years, playing a DC team for like five years. Uh, so I think we'll have that rivalry going. I think we'll have the roots stuck in, and I don't really well, think it'll have any effect on MLR. Don't. Yeah, honestly, I, I think even if league were to form some sort of presence, which I don't think is likely, but even if it were to happen, I don't think it really competes with union at this point. I think any anything called rugby that gains popularity around here is probably going to also help MLR popularity. I don't think it's going to be a substitute. I think if any, if anything, it's going to create awareness of rugby as a general thing. And if people are like, well, this league was good, maybe I should check out MLR too. I think it's more likely to help than hurt if it ever does materialize. Yeah, I, I don't I, see that being like a problem. Yeah. Well, and but I think one thing people also have to realize, though, is the Toronto <laughs> Wolfpack up in Canada um, – Although they they love to put out on social media that they're you know selling out uh, games left and right and stuff like that, they give away tons and tons of like over, for every like single match. And yeah, now and they, and and they and next to that, they've also spent a ton of money um, that they almost don't have. You know, I don't want to, I, I don't want to go into too much detail about about you know the people that I've talked to, but basically they've spent a whole lot of money to bring in players to to make it marketable and stuff like that, and it's really worked in building a fan base in Europe for the team, but they don't have a whole lot of local support, unfortunately. It, I will say, you know, so... And, and sorry, one, one more thing to add, though. A lot of their fan bases are union clubs in Canada, too, oh, yeah. that, that they connect yeah. with. Yeah. So I, one of the things I will say, like, they have... So this is, like, this is funny, right? Canada Rugby League 
like doesn't really exist like as a governing body or whatever. I think uh, Derek Brissett over on the uh, the La Rouge Rugby podcast, uh, he plays uh, right now um, because he's funny. He plays Australian rules football. There's like eight Australian rules football teams in Toronto, in Toronto. <laughs> and uh, there's like two league clubs in all of Ontario. And think about how big Ontario is. Yeah. The whole the Ontario the city or Ontario the province? Well, there is no Ontario the city in Ontario, Canada. Really? At least in the province. I yeah. totally thought there was a city called Ontario. Yeah, in California. There's wait, you're telling me there's no city in Canada called Ontario? Oh, Canada's in California? Yeah. Uh, oh, dude, no, dude, I'm thinking of Ottawa. Yeah. All right, yeah. Jeez. Um, um, yeah. This, this guy. This guy, but uh, yeah. So yeah. It, it, I, I got. I hope to God Ray Barkwell doesn't watch this. Ontario is like the size of Texas. To to give every um, uh, yeah. everyone like an idea of how big Ontario is, and yeah, everyone like, um, two club. And but the thing with like one of the things that they've talked about is that the Wolfpack don't really like they're not really a Toronto team. Like their training center and their residence is all in England. And then they come out here for games. That's what they do. Like they come out, they come to Canada, they come to Toronto for games. So will that change since they've been promoted uh, from the Betfred to Super League? No idea. Um, I'm gonna, I'm, I'm gonna say NFL that played in England today. Is that a, you know how's that NFL fan uh, drive going? Are they bringing local fans out there? Yeah. You know what? The Wolfpack are kind of like the Jaguars in London. If you if, if you think exactly. about it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but when it comes to league. Like I don't care. Uh, like I actually like watching rugby league. I, I it's on Fox. I turn it on. It's okay. It's entertaining. Uh, I've never seen it, but I hear it's like touch. But I, I, I do. It's like, like rap. Every time a league fan tries to tell you something, they're like, "We're taking over the world." Well, it's <laughs> more like bankruptcies in rugby league than there are in unions. So same thing we do every day, Pinky. Yeah. So the Super League is different. But like the uh, one of my friends used to work for the RFL and the Rugby Football League in uh, in England, and we were talking about he he posted like when the new president like <laughs> the new president was announced, he posted the photo, and I think uh, John Beardmore from the Egg Chasers also did this, and it was well, I mean my studio is like in a spare bedroom and it's my office and whatever, but they were in they set up a table. And this quote from Muhammad Ali, I think, and then there were vending machines in the back. It was a break room. Like there, the Rugby Football League had their press conference announcing their new president in somebody's break room, and, 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 no, and nobody was like, "Is there a better place we can do this?" No, no, there's not. <laughs> I was, I was can we put a curtain or something in front of the vending machines? <laughs> no, no, we can't. I would love to see some sort of competition directly between the major no pad contact sports like Aussie football, rugby league, rugby union, Gaelic football, have them come and somehow compete in, in some sort of crossover event. I think that would be entertaining. Like the first UFC when they mixed all the different types of martial arts. I want to see a, a UFC of contact oval shaped Sport yeah. Uh, so, 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 so that's like league in in uh, in um in 
like most of the world. And guess what? You know what? The RFU has, they have Twickenham. <laughs> yeah. Twickenham. Twickenham. Yeah, so uh, that's the difference. I mean, uh, league in Australia is completely different to league anywhere else in the world. Like it is like the top most popular sport, all that stuff. Like people get guys get paid a lot of money. Like the salary cap in the super league is in the UK is like, uh, maybe, maybe 1.2 million pounds, which is five times less than the salary cap in the premiership. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there you go. But moving on, um, to that, like, since we answered that question, I guess, um, uh, Amy Chikowski, uh, her only question was talk about the World Cup final. We'll talk about that. Uh, so the big, uh, I guess, league-wide announcement, guys, uh, I get the first one, uh, Utah Warriors coaching staff. So I'll just run down the names. Director of Rugby, Brandon Sparks, uh, formerly the University of Michigan coach. He was also the Collegiate All-Americans women's sevens coach for a while. Uh, he established a full-on academy program called the Legacy Rugby Academy. Uh, it uh, works with youth players, and they j- launched a uh, Washitosh Junior College. That's I think that's what it is, Washitosh Junior College. They established an academy program up there with Washitosh Junior College uh, as a like an alternative pathway for high performance development for guys who couldn't get into a four year institution right away. So that's kind of cool. Uh, but he's moving on from Legacy. From he had just moved on from Michigan this last year or this last May after they finished their spring their spring season and was going to go do that full time and now has been appointed director of rugby for the Utah Warriors so that's really cool uh, under him you got head coach uh, and Wallaby um, the he the guy Chris Latham has scored the second most tries in Wallaby history. Uh, I think he's got like 76 caps or something like that. He's not a centurion, but he's, he's a famous, very famous dude. Um, he just spent uh, the last PNC, I think the PNC before that with Samoa and also was an assistant uh, with Samoa uh, on the world cup campaign. So, so pretty like. Really good hire there. And then assistants are Ben Nichols, uh, former scrum half uh, for the Utah Warriors, who is capped with Zimbabwe Sevens with his brother Joe, uh, who I think is still playing on um, this year. I don't know yet. Um, so that's um, – and Sean Davies. Uh, don't know if Sean Davies is playing or not. I think – it wasn't clear. I think we're, I, I would expect a retirement announcement from him pretty soon. Cause it, it talked about like the next chapter of his career. Uh, and then Sean Pittman, the USA Eagles scrum coach, I think is moving on um, from the Eagles. So we're going to see a big time turnover on the Eagles staff uh, under Gary gold. Uh, and he's going to be the scrum coach with the Utah Warriors replacing Stevie Scott, who left at the end of the year. Uh, so, really, I mean, oh, a full staff, guys. <laughs> yeah, full staff that, who might, like, be able to start on the team, too. <laughs> the staff should uh, play the players. I think Sean Pittman has lost a lot of weight, so he can no longer prop. He is 
A sevens game, then, at least. Although he's still a massive human being, he is no longer, like, at international prop weight. He's very fit, though. Jesus. Like, he's (laughs) getting after it, um, I will say. Uh, So, yeah. um, He's kind of like Garter Minshew's dad in that regard, you know? (laughs) Definitely old, but could definitely knock me the hell out. So, yeah. um, Really gonna look to see a lot of improvement uh, with uh, the... You know, with the uh, with the Utah Warriors this season, and also look forward to see uh, more progress with the uh, Warriors Academy pathway that they laid out last year as well. Because that, like, it's as far as the pathway is concerned, it was if executed, it was the most comprehensive academy pathway of any MLR team, save the Raptors. So. Um, yeah, I know that, uh, you know, Houston Sabercats have been working on theirs, but they haven't, like, the bridge is, especially with Matt Truville leaving, is very interesting. Like, it's just sort of, it's kind of there and kind of moving. I, I, I don't know. Like, I'm sure someone else will take over that spot and it will continue to build. But, um, yeah, I, I expect an improvement, uh, although there's, I don't exactly know how the playoffs are working. I wouldn't say they will make it to the playoffs because uh, we really haven't seen their roster. I mean, uh, and also th- that West division is just going to be uh, – I mean, it's, it's going got, to be difficult. You've got, you've got <laughs> Seattle and San Diego. Um, wow. Uh, mm-hmm. Then you're going to have an improved Houston again um, and then an improved, uh, an improved Glendale. So uh. – yeah, I mean, seriously, it, uh, but I don't think they'll. I think it's it's Seattle and, and San Diego's division. Division to lose, essentially. Everyone else is playing catch up. So, mm-hmm. uh, but uh, yeah, um, and then the next two big ones. One was a teaser, and one wasn't. Uh, on Tuesday, uh, Major League Rugby signed uh, or announced their prior partnership with Paladin, which is from an Australian company like X-Blades was. Uh, they are the apparel partner for numerous Mitre 10 teams and a bunch of league teams. So uh, I think they also made New York's, uh, what is it? Uh, their New York's exhibition season kits and also make uh, made Queens Rugby's, Queens Rugby Club's kit. Um, so, which looks an awful lot like a Rooney kit. <laughs> uh, so yeah, I, I, I guess it's cool. Um, mm-hmm. I can't really. I would just, it's just let's not have MLR kits look like the the Scarlets or Gloucester kits. <laughs> or let's let's not take any unnecessary risks. Or either. or, you know, uh, or uh, what is it, Claremonts? Like where it's a. There's no jersey. It's just advertisements. No, there's no jersey or uniform. It's just, you know. Tattooed. Just tattooed. It's paint. Everybody's stark naked. And then I'll try. I'm looking forward to the day where we have the problem of we have so many people that want to sponsor us that we can't find a jersey that isn't just covered with advertisements. You know, people have talked about this, like, for the USA stuff. Be like, you know what? Let's just make it a NASCAR jersey. We need the money. And, well, we haven't made it a NASCAR jersey. You would say tides. And we do need the money. So, mm-hmm. uh, but, uh, and then the big one, 
I know it was teased by James Kennedy, and I know Liam is like, we're going to Vegas. Uh, it's finally a thing. I think. I, I, I think. It was teased on Friday by Major League Rugby, Viva Los Rugby, um, with a logo, MLR Vegas Rugby Series, I think it's called. Um, so, yeah. Um, I guess we're going to Vegas in February. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll figure it out. And, uh, I mean, I have the equipment to do a live podcast. So. Oh, yeah. Well, so what, what, what I'm thinking is, like, we, we find a bar with a stage close to, close to where the stadium, and some of you guys, some of you diehard dirty heads out there, uh, you dirty ears out there, I guess I, I should say, <laughs> come on and watch us. Mud rugby lovers. And, uh, you know, I guess – uh, tickets are supposed to go on sale or sort of on sale last week, but are supposed to go on sale like Tuesday, I think. There was a, there was a hiccup. Well, Pretty good times, though. Hopefully there's a good crowd of people traveling to start the season to Vegas. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, kind of, I guess, seems like they're what they're going for is to be the spiritual, you know, prede- you know not predecessor, uh, Offspring of Vegas Seven, which is now no longer happening. How how much do you guys think uh, this Vegas series is kind of like dipping? Is is the league dipping their toe into the Vegas market water? Ah, I think it's. I'd say it's like thirty percent dipping the uh, toe in. Well, I think it's an easy market, and if someone wants to pay for it, which someone is paying for it, because I wouldn't do it if it was going to cost me money and take away a home fixture. Uh, you know, I, I, Liam and I have this conversation all the time. Mm-hmm. Do you have a home fixture in the snow where you can possibly make money? Or do you plan to do something where there isn't, where you have to be the promoter and front all the costs yourself in a place that doesn't have an MLR team? All right. But the thing is, though, all right, let's say a, a bunch of snow falls on Weymouth, Massachusetts, you know, come February, hey, hey. March, and stuff like that. We, yeah. we, we, we have to pay to have the roads plowed. We have to pay for extra detail. Uh, you no, know, it's a lot. No, no, no. Because I believe in the Free Jacks fans that they will come out and they will shovel that pitch for free. <laughs> The, 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 the thing is, though, the, the, the bureaucratic government of Massachusetts does not care about your level of fandom. They care about <laughs> – the, 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 we care about not having cars and ditches on the sides of the yeah, road. And then if, like, 300 people show up, then people are like, man, this sucks. I don't want to come to a free Jacks game or whatever. I, I think it's – it's really tough to put on a game and, and you're trying to create a, this, a fan base. Also, like, dude, our home opener is St. Patrick's Day weekend, like, in Massachusetts. It's it, like it's going to be like a, a near sold out game. It's going to be loud. Like, like I don't, I don't know how to describe to you how bonkers March 14th is going to be in Weymouth, Massachusetts. Could be fun. I mean, I, yeah. I, I'm gonna say it could be fun. Um, it's going to be fun. There's going to be bars. There's going to be people. There's I'm going to be food. About, uh, well, I'm talking about Vegas. Um, oh, oh, Vegas. Vegas is going to be fun, baby. Yes, John. If you loved, if you love, yeah, on TV, I loved that game where Glendale got put on roller skates in the scrum. Mm-hmm. So still won 22 to 0 against the. Also, <laughs> as a graduate of uh, of of uh, NVU Linden, I have played in the snow on many many occasions. We do host uh, the Linden Snowball every year. 
um, you know, which is typically played in two to three feet of snow out on our pitch. Yeah, so, so. Right. whiskey pens in Chicago too, classic a, you know, uh, venue. I, mm-hmm. I'm very much in the um, ambivalence um, state of mind. If you want to do it, and someone someone else is paying for it. Good, because we know that we're all trying to like the league is trying to survive and the league is trying to make money and taking five fixtures to Vegas um, where you have to front all the cash would be a risk. So um, and then I so that, that's the biggest news. I, I think it'll be great. Everyone mm-hmm. here thinks it'll be great, especially Liam, because he likes to gamble. I know that Craig likes to gamble. I do not. Only oh, you're, oh, you're being you're being sarcastic. <laughs> well, I was definitely being sarcastic about you because you work for a team. Yeah, <laughs> but I was not being sarcastic about Craig. And I work. Nope. Do do not gamble. <laughs> I don't gamble either. I gamble yeah. only where legally pers- in prescribed areas like New Jersey. <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, hey. Or Encore Boston. Uh, but, uh, yeah, uh, so the, it, it will be a fun time if you are an MLR fan. Um, everyone tells me that there's always cheap flights to Vegas. Uh, I never got excited. 160 about- bucks round trip on Spirit Airlines right now. I, I Dude, checked it the other day. Spirit, Spirit Airlines. Please. Who get- it's a it's a flight to Vegas, man. Just get blackout in the terminal, wake up like you know in Vegas, and just keep going. The, the so the only issue wake up in the problem. desert. There is a problem. <laughs> there is a problem because Maybe, in, I've lived in, in LA. February, yeah, it happens in February. It can snow in Vegas. Just just saying. I, I, I'm, I'm just saying. I just don't think it's at all possible for whatever Vegas considers to be a snowstorm to bother me. <laughs> Uh, uh, yeah, yeah and if you, buy, like, you know what I'm talking about, like yeah. And when you have you know a bunch of games at, in Vegas in one weekend, people are making a trip to Vegas. The tickets themselves are such a small cost. You're probably gonna get you know people that are gone. They're gonna get tickets to every game. So the instead first of one, do, the first one, it's just three thousand people. You just need one group of three thousand. I think is the first weekend of the season, which is has a New York game. I think. Um, I think that that's kind of a weird one, um, but the other one, the 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 actual weekend that I think this is, like it says MLR Vegas weekend, um, and based on the TBDs on the uh, the schedule that is released um, of the four games that we get, uh, yeah, uh, that weekend should be great. I mean, the, what the ticket prices are. And uh, you know how much you're going to spend. You you get to watch four rugby games. Wow, do it! Like and, and right. when it comes to taking, can, can you survive two weeks in Vegas? Like, is the human body able to like stay in in like this? The state of Nevada. Stay. You gotta like, go back. Gonna go back. No, I, I can't stay two weeks in, in Vegas unless someone pays for that. Um, but uh, and even then, I, I I don't think I. Get away with that, but uh, yeah, uh, get away from work or get away from Brooke. <laughs> get away from Brooke. Yeah, hold on. He's like, I'm coming to Vegas too, right? Like, You're like, ooh, are you? But uh, yeah, it'll be cool to have you there for for a night or two. But uh, yeah, and so so the Vegas the, the MLR Vegas weekend should be great. Um, I guess we'll we'll find out more hopefully on um, tomorrow or Tuesday. Um, but if they teased it 
on Friday. I'm sure it's going to come out first thing uh, tomorrow. Uh, but the final thing that we were going to talk about was the World Cup, uh, a little bit in depth. So, do you want Faf playing like a six in your defensive line? Is is my own, is my question? No, I don't. But uh, yeah, Faf had tremendous success in his career. He might have got a yellow card yesterday. <laughs> I almost, dude, man, he was close. But it wasn't necessarily because of where he was being lined up. He was just acting like a clown. I mean, he's swatting the other, you know, Ben Young's hand on the feed from the back of the ruck. Uh, some silly stuff I, I thought was extremely cynical where, you know, mm-hmm. if he'd gotten a card for that, I wouldn't have been shocked. Um, uh, he, uh, he brings a lot of energy when you're, you know, when your little guys are making hits. I think that energizes the team. Yeah. Well, I was going to say, like, you know, do I have a younger option other than him? Um, I mean, if, yeah, right. But, uh, it, I mean, if not, like, you know, like, like Craig was saying, this the, the antics were getting a little old. And, you know, again, like, I, 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 was, I was thinking that a card was going to be coming his way. But, uh, you know, like, the, phys- the, the physicality, though, in a tournament like with, the World Cup is something you that you want. normally do with a scrum half in, in defense, uh, he played like someone who has about 50 pounds and six inches on him. <laughs> like he played out of his mind. His antics annoyed the hell out of me. Like if you think if you think for one second Holden Younger has antics, if you're that person, <laughs> if you think that then just don't watch Fafta Clerk because it's it's a different level. It's a different Did level. Did you guys see uh on Wikipedia they changed his uh information to make him read as like a foot tall? <laughs> 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 I saw did, I saw the meme. The meme. Yeah, I was trying to buy it. somewhere. I have a picture of it, but it's like they they went in and changed his height to be like half a meter or something. <laughs> they, they like auto convert that to feet. It's like uh, it's, it's, it's not. Uh, it, it didn't stick. Dang it! Uh, I think they changed his name to Faf Danab or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> he's 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 a great player. Rugby fans uh, of the internet never fail to disappoint. Um, when it came, yeah, to game, I got here. It was they changed it to Francois Fat de Clerc. <laughs> uh, and they changed his height to 0.45 meters, aka one foot five and a half inches. <laughs> <laughs> uh, John Visser asks, "Isn't the job of a scrum half to annoy?" I, I, yeah, I guess at the club level, but at the international level, I, I want. I mean, like, you can annoy within the law. I want my scrum half not to get killed uh, be, when they when they decide to pick a fight with Billy Vunapola. That's that's kind of you know. I would say that Sean Davies has picked a fight with a few taller. Humans, I wouldn't say taller, but bigger humans in his career. And when he does that, it uh, it's yeah. Con- Connor Connor Murphy also got in the faces of uh, one or two very large individuals. <laughs> well, Con- yeah. Connor Murphy when he did that. Oh, no, I mean, the, the thing is, like, Connor Con- Connor's Cockney accent makes him appear a foot taller though. Sometimes when it's going yeah. off. Yeah. But uh, I'm all for chippy, fiery scrum halves, but there's one thing about being annoying within the law or even on the margin of the law when, when you're doing things like that are, in my mind, very clearly and ostentatiously illegal. Uh, I think that's going to get you in trouble no matter how small you are or what position you play. Though in this case, he got a penalty or two penalties, but that was the extent of it. So one of the things I wrote uh, out in the nether, I guess – 
um, is I said that this game was sucked. Like for me, like I like in a lot of ways, I really love this game. Um, it still shows that rugby is a game of big brutish men doing savage shit. Uh, like that the the scrum mattered. How the forwards played mattered. Heck, mm-hmm. you had like three HIAs, a, a lock, a prop. Like you had all the big guys getting injured in this game, and then the big guys that came on, came on and did savage shit. Like mm-hmm. that. Like yeah. that is what I what I loved about this game. What I hated about this game is that the first thirty points came from the teeth. Like mm-hmm. I, I, no, I exactly. Exactly, and you know, Aaron. Uh, one one particular group of phases. I think it was at the end of the second half when England had thirty plus phases over four minutes of play uh, down inside South Africa territory, and it only resulted in three points. So yeah. you know, yeah, and so like you said, there was a ton of physicality, a ton of great hit, ton of great hits that make it made you go ooh ah. But when it you know when it came down to it, there was just there was no production. There wasn't a ton of like you know meters per pass, like you know uh, for England's offense. So like it, it was, you know, just a little bit boring. Like when they're just trying to go for like, you know, like these pick and goes or just these like, you know, you know, passes that just gain one meter out to the, out to the far outside and it's just back again to the inside to do it all over again. Yeah, but I think the truth is that these are the two best defenses in international rugby. So oh, I mean, yeah, it was we kind of saw that coming. I mean, they they are both re- relentless on defense. Uh, so like Aaron said, I think you saw the, the how important the set piece became, especially when in open play, neither team, at least for like the first 60 minutes, could really create any opportunities. Every opportunity came from a set piece somehow. Uh, so, I, you know, as a front row guy, a set piece guy, I, I like that, uh, even though obviously tries are always fun. But um, um yeah, I, sorry. I just actually got this question popped up. Those ha- those haven't been popped up. Like, I, I just figured. I just figured. Y- out you can do that. Like, yeah, I, this is, that's amazing. Yeah. So, yeah, I, that's what I really loved about the game. But it was like, if you're a fan, I'm not saying let's just score tries and not play defense. Hey, I'm a big fan of defense. I love defense. Uh, but I just like when every single point, when the first thirty points scored in this game comes from kicks. It just annoys. Hey, <laughs> yeah, hey. I did it. <laughs> hey, uh, but uh, yeah, it, it was just rough. Uh, if usually yeah, Aaron no. asking questions I haven't seen, I'm just sitting here just nodding. You know. Yeah, and now as a coach, I would, I yeah, I'd coach the Springboks to do the exact same shit because they out brutalized England, who like just tore up New Zealand and, and people are like, did you peak too soon for that game for England? And the reality is, is I think in a lot of ways, only England could have beaten the all blacks and only the Springboks could have beaten England and Wales had no chance against all three of them. <laughs> um, but uh, it was just, I love to hear you say that. <laughs> I, I just like, I love imagining Welsh fans behind their computers. <laughs> the best, like, so, so that game, happens and all the Welsh fans are like because because Scotland being in the same country in the same Great Britain the United Kingdom of Great Britain Scotland wished England good fortune blah blah and then the Welsh Rugby Union didn't and you have all the BS I I get the history I I do the one the one where I didn't like it is like 
oh, Ireland, let's have some like Six Nations solidarity and vote and root for England. Now, that's a little, that's a little different. Okay. Let's, 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 let's leave, leave Ireland alone. Okay. Uh, but, um, yeah, I, I thought that was dumb. Um, I, I, I want to get us. I still out think here. England would be. I mean, if they replayed this five times, I still think England would win three or maybe four of them. Like, I, I don't think just as a matchup, South Africa are going to be, you know, strictly dominant. I think they played better yesterday. I think there, were, you know, there's a couple. You know, I thought particularly like Ben Young's, like the nine ten channel. They just they hadn't seen that type of defensive pressure all World Cup, really. And I just think it broke yeah. down a little bit, and that was all it took. In, I yeah. think the the lack of playing. Oh, oh, I'm sorry. I'm watching the Patriots. <laughs> I think the lack of playing France really <sighs> affected uh, England because they basically built the every every week they built like they went. Like they played us, and then they played what was it, Argentina, and they played Argentina, and then they were supposed to play France, and they they didn't play France. And I think yes, that helped them out. They were rested for you know the knockouts, and they, they beat the snot out of you know Australia. But uh, I don't think the way that they were building. I think not playing France having that game canceled really affected them because it would have given them a, a another tier one nation to prepare against in, in the in pool play. And it would have given them the, the idea of how hard they were going to have to play. Cause, cause France was going to, they were going to do something. I don't think they were going to win, but they were just going to mm-hmm. play because it's France versus England. And you have that rivalry when it comes down to it. So I think that had a huge effect. I think England is, if you play this game five times, England's going to win two or three. Hey, were, 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 were Scottish fans angry about their matches getting canceled on social media? I didn't hear anything or see anything. <laughs> well, their match didn't get <laughs> They didn't get canceled. Yeah. <laughs> they did get canceled. Uh, but, uh, but, you know, trouble but World Rugby is like, oh, you threatened to take legal. I will say Scotland did not threaten to take legal action. They took legal advice. It got leaked. It's Twitter action. It, it got leaked. <laughs> Scotland did not say it got leaked. And then Scotland said, yes, we, we've taken legal advice. Um, so. It's like everybody signed the same contract, bro. Yeah, like, like you, you just didn't consider that it might actually happen. And and then they got beat, like yeah, pretty good by Japan. So, uh, yeah. But it, I just, it was just such a weird game. Um, and everyone's like, "That's finals rugby." I will say, finals rugby in the United States was very exciting. Um, oh yeah, watched the Sea Wolves versus uh, the San Diego Legion. That game was great mm-hmm. uh, in a lot of ways. Um, and this one, it was just, uh, it just left me after so many great games in this one, it just left me kind of um, empty, especially that score. Well, uh, unfortunately, like I, I feel like that happens with a lot of like long, you know, long form tournament games when like the fact is these guys have just gone through, you know, a month and a half of games and their bodies have, you know, been through like several car crashes worth of hits. So like, yeah, like, you know, with the last game of a tournament like this, you're probably going to be a little bit slower, but obviously it's just that drive to win that kind of puts you over the edge and makes it entertaining. So, 
Um, and well, uh, so we're going to have, we're going to be back, uh, next week or in two weeks to preview, uh, the women's series against Canada. Um, let's see if there's a score for the WPL final, actually. Um, if, I mean, it's ongoing, right? Um, just to, uh, halftime Glendale. Uh, eight, Glendale Merlins, 18-12 over the Life West Gladiatrix. So we will be done uh, before this uh, game finishes because uh, I plan to get us out of here in like 10 minutes or less. <laughs> mm. uh, but, yeah, as far as the, the final is concerned, I, I, I thought the tournament was great. And I listen I, – I mean, I think all of us listen to a lot of UK-based rugby media on podcasts. And one of the things that I want people to stop saying is that Japan is not a rugby nation. If you look at when their union was organized, how popular the sport is. They have stadiums, they have teams I, with like large corporate sponsors. Like it, what more rugby nation now, whatever you thought about it coming into this World Cup. Yeah, I was like, at least in the middle of the World Cup, we could have stopped. But they, they like people keep saying, and Japan's not for just Japan's not a rugby nation. I'm like um, maybe saying traditionally not a rugby nation I, might be like somewhat was, correct, but so I mean, they have an old union, but they also lost twice to the USA in the World Cup in the last you know 15, yeah, 20 years. Or what. So, I mean, yeah, they're old, but they're only recently good like they are now. Well, it's, it's not really like this good, yes, but it's not really like recently good. But uh, I, I just think I look at like it's the third most po- participated sport, it's the third most popular sport. In Japan, where's rugby in the United States? Where's rugby in, in Canada? Like, Maybe no, no one's saying we're rugby nations, but I always go back to, hey, y'all didn't show up to the Olympics. We got those medals. Mm-hmm. 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 Yeah. <laughs> so, that, that's that. I mean, that's, that's it. Like, we're going on the 100 year anniversary, dude, yeah. of the first one. Yeah. It's, it's 20, uh, 20. 20 was the first one, yeah. yeah. 100-year anniversary coming up. Still so, hanging our hat on that. Yeah, I, I, why not? Uh, especially if, dude, if we win the Sevens gold medal this year, I mean, 2016 would have been – it just wasn't going to happen. But this year, it would be great. Like, get By Friday, we'll get even more funding. <laughs> <laughs> you get that anniversary going. Uh, but, yeah. Um, when it, I thought the World Cup was great. I thought – I think the impact – that it will, it's going to have in Japan is going to be huge. Uh, and, you know, we keep talking about World Cup in the United States and about what the time window is. And, and we all know that MLR teams are, like, they're doing this because they see something. But in, in general, the MLR teams actually have to create their own market, which is a lot of what MLS had to do, but the conditions were so different for – how long, how, why MLS is, uh, why MLS is successful. So I think if we get things fixed and the union can somehow stratospherically grow youth rugby and there is a million kids in 12 years playing, actually playing rugby. And I mean, registered memberships, registered memberships. Um, then, you know, a, a world cup will have an impact on, America culturally, but if we just come in, hey, we're going to have it during football season just so we can make some money because World Rugby wants that money, then 
Um, let's see. Yeah. I think the chances of us uh, uh, the chances of us hosting the Rugby World Cup in 2027 after um, Japan and like you know the example that it kind of set of a you know of a non traditional rugby nation hosting the Rugby World Cup and how you know successful it was when games weren't getting canceled by typhoons. I, I absolutely think it's a total possibility. The chances, however, I'm a 2031 guy. Yeah, I, I was going to say 2027. 10, 15 percent, 20, 31, 40, 50 percent, I would say. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree with that. I, as long as MLR continues to grow, as long as MLR, can, yeah, it seems to me like they want 2031 more than 2027 in terms of like USA rugby wants. I know it's a joint bid, is my understanding, so you have to kind of it's like one conversation altogether. I know there's other factors pointing to 2027, like the Olympics are. You know, in the last couple of World Cups, the Olympics and the Rugby World Cup have been a year apart in the same country, and we have the Olympics. And I think, the, I think the problem with 2027 is that it would be sandwiched between the FIFA World Cup the and the Olympics. And you know what rugby don't like? You know what world rugby don't like? It don't like FIFA. It don't like FIFA. So I mean I don't think they want to want to compete for compete for that. And yes, overall rugby fans are a bit different than just soccer fans. I think in I think we share fandoms in general because soccer is okay, uh, especially as it's gotten more technical. I've sort of cared more about soccer, whereas like if it's non technical, I don't care. I, I don't know, um, but uh, yeah. I, uh, 2031, I think, puts us on the same trajectory as Japan. But they also had more organization, more participation when they were awarded their the World Cup. So I think there's a lot of work to be done before we even get to the bid process. Well. Yeah, what, one more thing. Venues for the World Cup, most likely going to be the uh, NFL stadiums. However, just because the Rugby World Cup takes place during football season, that would probably have to, you know. That'd be very weird because it yeah. would be like it's during – like the current window is during football season and during soccer season, mm-hmm. which I think creates a venue issue. Yeah, so I mean, obvi- obviously, you know, there's we, there's now Aviva, there's uh, there's there's Rugby Town, um, there are you know other smaller venues that that do have World Rugby uh, you know certified fields and stuff like that, Magoni Field, uh, Life University, um, among others. However, it's just stadium capacity. Talk about that, Audi. I think we look at we look at this stuff. They they want the corporate hospitality dollars. That's why they want to come here. Because if you look at venues, if you looked at all the venues in the World Cup, the amount of suites in the venues were very limited. And they want to go to Jerry World. They want Jerry have, World. They want to have a team. They want to have a final in Jerry World and make and just rake millions and millions of dollars from corporate hospitality. That's the thing. That's the thing. Yeah, until uh, until all the rugby players are like, oh crap, all of these fields are turf. I hate this. <laughs> And I had to fly five hours, you know, one, you know, for my four day later test because the country's so large. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Oh know. my god. 
apparently, uh, and we don't. And the problem is, we don't have a rail network that is similar to Japan's. So yeah, and you don't want to get on Amtrak because, like, there's a pretty good chance you'll just die. <laughs> oh, God. So and uh, you can sue us because there's plenty of statistics to back that up. Baby. Spirit Airlines, Spirit Airlines, Spirit Airlines does not have the body count of Amtrak, bro. <laughs> like, well, been here for like three years. Amtrak's a hundred years old or something. But uh, yeah, I think so. You guys got anything? Nope. Good to be uh, back. You guys are on, week. baby. So we'll be back in two weeks, uh, then the week after that, and then we'll figure it out after that. And then every Monday or whatever, we'll have a regular schedule um, starting in preseason. So, mm-hmm. And, uh, uh, yeah, and lineouts and Saturday morning team juice. More episodes coming in the regular season as well. All right, uh, see you guys in two weeks. Cheers. On our way out, please note that all opinions expressed on this broadcast are those of the hosts and guests and do not necessarily reflect the beliefs or practices of Major League Rugby, its teams, or the league. Aaron Castro is employed by Major League Rugby. Liam Poach is employed by the New England Free Jacks. Their opinions are their own. Thank you for listening to Earful of Dirt, the Major League Rugby Podcast. Connect with your hosts throughout the week on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Earful of Dirt. Or email your thoughts and questions to earfulofdirt at gmail.com. Be sure to tune in next week. Until then, get out there and enjoy some rugby. Rugby.